All right. Fucking rock on. <laughs> oh, wait, I, I can't see you, though, Chris. Oh, no. God damn it. Chris I'm... will be played today by a, a vague black square. Hold on. Let me try fixing this. I am not having a good day with technology right now. Look, folks, at Ground Game, we're scrappy. <laughs> Come on. Clicky the thing. Turn on the thing. In the meantime, while Chris is fixing that, uh, if you got the chance before we launch into things, uh, I just wanted to give a huge shout out to the people of Lebanon who are doing the fucking thing. Like so far taking yeah. over several government ministries out there in the streets, literally fighting with security forces. Because Lebanon, if you've studied the history of that nation, has been mistreated, abused and neglected by the international community and international powers for fucking decades. And the reason that this port blast, aside from being like a terrible, terrible thing, but one reason it's going to have a lot of knock-on effects is that the Lebanese economy was already suffering. They were already deep, deep in crisis, resulting from so many problems that they themselves did not create. And it is a terrible fact of human history that we wait for tragedy to make necessary changes. But I really hope and pray that the people of Lebanon are able to find liberation and empowerment through this, that they're able to take their destiny into their own hands because they deserve it. It is absolutely disgusting that cultures that have spanned thousands of years have found themselves crushed under the boots of company of countries, well, and also companies like the United States of America and Israel, and have been suffering for far too long. So you have a moral and ethical obligation to be on the side of the people trying to take back their nation and their society from corrupting international influences and to save lives in the process. Also, we can't forget more than 5,000 people are injured in Tuesday's blast Several hundred are dead, and those numbers will keep climbing for a while. The, the international community could be sweeping in to do more here, to providing actual assistance and actual support just outside of the, the charity that will disappear in a couple of years when it's no longer at the top of the news page. This is going to be a long struggle for them, and they deserve every bit of our support. And hey, look, Chris showed up. Thank you for joining us, Chris. Hi. Um, fun story. We've actually been blocked on Facebook because of that uh, cold open video. So ha! congratulations to us. Fuck uh, you, Donald Trump. And for anyone wondering, so that video was actually Donald Trump's campaign while somebody at, at his Ohio rally playing <laughs> um, Live and Let Die by Guns N' Roses to get the crowd warmed up before like any of that stuff went on. It is uh, really dark and twisted. And also the Trump administration has this habit of using songs that they haven't bought the rights to because let's not forget Donald Trump and his entire family are literally nothing but thieves. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's amusing to me, but whatever, uh, we, so now we've apparently nuked our chances of actually having this broadcast on Facebook. Uh, I believe it's still Fuck up on you, Twitch. Zuckerberg. Fuck you. That, it's truly impressive how quickly they were able to respond to the fact that we went live and then immediately like it's like you own or you played 31 seconds of audio that doesn't belong to you it's like okay those um, those bots are those bots are real smart man they're real they, quick <laughs> no i literally like I, anyway. once, I once worked on a project for sony like it was a it was a release like trailer for one of their properties and when we went live on youtube sony's own dmca bots blocked us from putting up the project that sony hired us to do that's amazing 
Um, but like yeah, these we, aren't the smartest people on the planet. I, you know, anybody who's like that hardcore about defending their IP is probably not somebody you want to be working with or dealing with. So, you know, fair. So the, the context of this was that it was from, uh, the rally, uh, that was just it, or the not rally, but it was definitely a fucking rally. And the, it was just very on the nose for, uh, Trump and company to be playing live and let die. Uh, given our current pandemic situation. So we thought that we would be cute and play that as our cold open, but apparently that uh, gets us blocked on Facebook. So we'll live and learn, I guess, is the, the new slogan of the day. So anyway, I guess it's time to get like actually started on this. So uh, as as we've already been making a clear, making abundantly clear, this is uh, Chris Roth and Bushido Squirrel here with your weekly knock activism wrap up. Today, we're going to be talking about the same shit we do every week. Coronavirus updates, uh, cops being shitty in this particular case, crooked cops from Compton. Um, a new, yep. very poorly reported and uh, factually incorrect story from Bill, uh, Bill of T Tampuccino fame. Uh, for those of you whose memory lasts longer than three weeks. Uh, SoCal Gas is suing the state of California, and we have some truly bizarre landlord shit happening in the, uh, I guess I would call it like the border region between Echo Park and Chinatown. Uh, and uh, we're going to go kind of dig into that. But first, how's everything going for you, Bushido? Uh, it's going pretty well. I was going to go off on Lebanon for this check-in, but uh, to let anyone know, like for anyone who's watching us live, uh, there is going to be a rally out at the Federal Building in downtown LA, basically uh, Aliso and Los Angeles streets at 2 p.m. Uh, protesting our broken immigration system. If you're catching us tomorrow when this uh, goes up on the podcast and stuff, it will have been a really good rally, and we need to keep the pressure up because our immigration system is incredibly racist. And one thing we don't talk about, I'm going to kind of like flag this in the era of Black Lives Matter, that some of the, the sort of invisible immigrants who are oppressed by our system are black immigrants, people from the, not just from Africa, but from South America, that Haitians and Colombians and Brazilians of black descent are even more likely to be kicked out and deported in this yep. nation, that our immigration system basically exists to create a permanent disenfran disenfranchised underclass of workers that can be exploited for profit. This is one reason like the Koch brothers are kind of friends of immigration, but don't like union protections or worker protections, right? They want people that they can put through the grinder that have no ability to complain or affect legal change in their lives and are completely disenfranchised. Our ICE and DHS and CBP system all exist to feed that capitalist drive to harm people and extract from them as much as they can before we literally work them to death. So 2 p.m., Federal Building, which is very close to Metro Detention Center, one of two massive prisons in downtown L.A. Be there or catch us on the live streams. DSALA is hosting it along with the Immigrant Justice Coalition. I'm sure it'll be up there. Check some hashtags. It'll be fun. Tune in or show up. Thank you very much for uh, wanting to fix this shit. I don't know why I thanked you all, but, you know, thank you for being here. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, all right. Well, let's just dive straight into the uh, the super depressing omnipresent theme of every fucking week for the last. Yeah, we're still in a we're still in a pandemic and uh, it's getting better. Right, Chris? It's getting uh, better. Right. Well, mm. So here's the fun thing. Uh, as as I, I was sharing this tweet from the LA Times with you last night, uh, the reporting makes it look like it's getting better, but it turns out 
there is some problems, but let's just go yep. through the reporting as it is before we get into the problems and uh, take a look at what's the fuck is going on here. So uh, as of 945 this morning, we now have 559,941 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state of California. That is more than 50,000 new cases since Sunday. We've had, yeah, 8,321 new confirmed cases yesterday. And we're up to 10,222 deaths in the state due to the virus, 192 of them yesterday. So we are, we are seeing spikes in the death toll from this virus, uh, that, uh, the likes of which we have not seen prior to the past week. Um, it is absolutely terrifying. Uh, key things to keep in mind here, according to LA Times, is that technical problems are hampering the count. The state's top public health official said the data system used to process the test results is marred with technical issues. We'll get into that in a minute. Officials warn that this week's numbers are likely an undercount. So that little dip that we see. I mean, I, I can say, like, I'm, I've been trying to schedule another COVID test because I'm getting ready to go uh, camping in a couple of weeks. And we all decided we're going to get COVID tests before we did that, make sure everyone's in the clear. We're going to make sure that we're keeping each other as safe as we can, even though we'll be outside, we'll have our own tents and stuff. The, uh, the fact that you log on to the free COVID testing site and like 80% of the sites on there say they don't have any open appointments and there is no way to make them, or the fact that you click a link that's like, oh, make an appointment online, and then it's like, call this number when the number is only open from nine until four, and you're like, I thought this was supposed to be easy. I thought that we wanted people to get tested, not that we wanted to make it impossible for them to get tested. Yeah, I I don't know what the fuck our government is trying to do, but they are terribly failing at, at protecting people and providing any kind of a path forward out of this pandemic. So, excuse me. Um, yeah, so a couple of other things to note. Uh, most of the state is currently, quote-unquote, on notice. Deteriorating conditions prompted the governor to put 38 counties on this, his watch list. Uh, those 38 counties account for 97% of the state's population. So, and pretty much, I think LA or I think California has forty-five counties in it, but that's the yeah. vast majority of the counties in the state. Yeah, the only ones that are not on the watch list are not very populous. Um, yeah. There's the disparities are widening. The last time we talked about this, Latinos were three point one times more likely to test positive than white people. Now it's up to three point two times. So it's just getting worse. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that uh, the employers who you know when people are considered to be essential employees and they have to go back to work in order to keep things functioning it is on their employers to properly provide for ppe distancing all of the kinds of th protections that are necessary for people to stay safe and current and continue to work during the pandemic and employers have fucking dropped the ball on that they have not been providing the kinds of protection and equipment and everything else that is necessary and as a result of that, people who are being fucked over the most by their employers tend to be Latinx, and they have been the ones who have been facing the brunt of these new infections uh, compared to the rest of the population uh, in black communities as well. It's all super fucked up. Um, and of course, the thing that we all know, because this has been true the entire time during the pandemic, is that the highest death toll is among seniors. Roughly 75% of the dead were 65 or older. And at least 4,308 were living in a nursing home. And that is just fucking devastating. Um, 
in related news, so we're, we're, we've been talking about like the um, the ICU beds that have been available, and you can see that there was a reporting change that we talked about last week. Uh, that when the 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 way that the state was calculating how many beds are available was changed, so all of these numbers drop, and that's why you see this this sudden spike. But uh, it's it's still it's basically we're back to more or less where we were in the state prior to uh, the the flattening of the curve. So it's it's you know things are things are not deteriorating to the point of like totally overwhelming the system just yet. But we don't really know what the fuck is going on. So mm-hmm. um, back to talking about the raw numbers here in Los Angeles. They don't they didn't have any updates for uh, this morning. So we as of last night we were at two hundred four thousand. Uh, 258 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in LA County, and we are at, uh, whoops, that, I'm in the wrong screen, clicky, clicky, there we go, uh, nope, well, apparently, there it is, uh, we are at uh, 4,919 deaths in the county due to the virus, and I'm having a wonderful fucking we're, time with technology. We're all sorts of technical problems today. Oh, I, I forgot to mention at the top, apologies to Mr. Dave Anthony for accidentally uh, <laughs> posting our original going live tweet on his page. That wasn't, like, done conscientiously. It was the software that we use had, like, confused it with last night's stream because Dave and Nithya had a conversation. But did. I did want to ask, yeah, I, but before we get into our technical snafus, so... um the the disparities that we're seeing across the uh, across the state as far as like Latinx people and black uh, uh, Californians dying at disproportional rates from uh, white Californians and especially wealthy Californians are we seeing those same kind of trends played out at the local level? Um, I believe we are. I actually didn't see that mentioned in the LA Times coverage of what's going on here in Los Angeles, but that was historically what we were seeing. That was what we were seeing previously anyway. Like the black communities in South Los Angeles were massively disproportionately impacted with the number of uh, positive test results as well as the number of deaths. And the same thing was true in East LA uh, during the earlier stages of this pandemic. So I have not seen the, the raw numbers on that. That was reporting for the state level. But the earlier trends did say that we were seeing the same kind of things happening here in Los Angeles, uh, which is, of course, the epicenter of all of the COVID-19 shit uh, for the state of California. Although we have there are a couple of little hot spots popping up in smaller counties where they've had massive increases in rates. But that's mainly because they just didn't have that many cases. So like adding 20 new cases when you had five before is just like, holy shit, what's going on? Yeah. Um, whereas like here in Los Angeles, it's like, OK, well, you know, I mean, we had like this is this is what we were seeing here in Los Angeles. We were seeing thousands of new cases per day. So it's just like the, the scale of it is just absolutely unfucking believable And this goes into the fact that we talk about uh, fairly frequently when we're talking about California and Los Angeles politics uh, in relation to the rest of the fucking country is that the county of Los Angeles is bigger than most states in this country. The yeah. county, like we, we're looking at 11, almost 12 million people, depending on how you look at the counts. It's an incredibly large population. So anything yeah. that we're talking about here, like we we really do have like our own state level issues uh, within the county when it comes to comparing it to any anywhere else in the country. So and I mean, on a, on a national level here uh, to kind of like pull out. We have surpassed the uh, number of U.S. deaths in World War One. It looks like as we keep climbing higher and higher, we're going to come close to like 
pushing the record for deaths during World War II, because there was about 116,000 Americans in World War One, were over 160,000 deaths at a minimum. Let's not forget the deaths are also probably undercounted at this point as well. In World War II, it was 455,000 Americans that died. We're looking at 300,000 to 500,000 Americans dead within the next year before we even fully get this thing under control. And like Trump's whole, there's going to be a vaccine by November 3rd is bullshit. But even when we get a vaccine, it's going to take some time for that to be effective, especially because we may end up in the same sort of routine we end up with the flu vaccine, where one lifetime vaccination is not possible. And you simply have to get vaccinated every season as this virus continues to mutate and grow and change. And viruses like this that are RNA-based are incredibly resilient and incredibly adaptable. Like once these things get out into the world and once you have a pandemic where it's able to get a foothold and stick around permanently, it does not go away. So this is a reality for a while. Even once we get through the pandemic, we are not going to be free of COVID for generations. Absolutely. So uh, touching back to what we were discussing earlier in terms of the reporting issues, uh, on August 5th, the LA Times published a story that was headlined, quote, serious breakdown in California systems causes inaccurate coronavirus numbers. So getting into the details here, quote, uh, a breakdown in the electronic collection of coronavirus test data is hampering California's pandemic response, with some public health officials resorting to counting results by hand and a growing number of counties warning the public that statistics provided by the state on infection rates are unreliable. The ongoing technical problems with the electronic system for gathering and analyzing COVID-19 infection rates affect the state's ability to track the spread of the virus and could be resulting in significant undercounts of infections across the state. So this is a huge fucking deal. And a, yep. a, a big part of why it's a huge fucking deal is because we've got at least... Okay, so UTLA and LAUSD came to an agreement that they're not going to be doing in-person classes for students this fall at least not for like the start of the semester i don't know if i i, I hadn't seen if they were going to do it for the toward the end of the semester but they've at least like been saying that they're not going to be doing in 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 person teaching for a while and mm -hmm. the numbers for the state of california are part of the you know the statistical analysis that goes into making the decision of whether or not it is possible for any of our school districts across the state to actually even like realistically start planning for how they're going to be reopening with, of course, the exception of Orange County, because they just don't fucking care and are willing to throw the lives of their young ones uh, onto the gears of uh, the economy because they literally are just sociopathic assholes. Uh, I mean, it's still it's still an open question as to what the start of the school year is going to look like here in California. But after what we've seen out of Georgia, after what we're seeing out of New York, where Cuomo's yeah. ordering the schools back open, yeah, it's, it's going to be really bad. Like the schools are going to have to close again. We're just yeah. going to reopen. And instead of spending time and money to figure out what education should look like in a pandemic environment where we are trying to keep everyone safe and provide equitable access to education, we're doing the exact opposite. And it's really frustrating. And for some reason, teachers are being told, no, your life doesn't matter. Only the children's lives matter. But even the children's lives don't matter. We're sending them back into a Petri dish in a fucking, fucking closed environment. Boss. Yeah, uh, it's... It's just like when you put out the, this thing of saying like, you know, oh, it's only 0.2% of the kids... It's only 0.2% of the kids. We're only going to have 40,000 kids die. It's fine. <sighs> we can always have more kids, right? 
Yeah, so somebody somebody mentioned this and it was just fucking devastating looking at it in in the, you know, the hellscape that is the Twitterverse at this point in time. Somebody tweeted out like quote tweeting uh Betsy DeVos and I saw it spreading around where they're like, "Yeah, now all of our yearbooks are going to have like an in memoriam page at the back end that lists all of the teachers and students who die of fucking COVID because our school can't keep their shit together." No, like that was, you know, that was one thing where right after I left high school, um, there was a small suicide cluster at my very expensive private high school. And the deaths of three current and former students within the span of about three years devastated us. You know, we were a very small school. We only had about 60 kids per class. These were very personally felt. It, it changed the way that the school operated. It changed the way that we approached mental health. It changed the way that we as students and alumni thought about and interacted with each other and cared about each other. I can't imagine how and what an indelible effect this is going to have on the people who are in school now. Like it, it literally breaks my heart that we have taken this line, you know, since the, the war on terror began, we decided that anyone over the age of 18 is able to put their body on the line for imperial power. And now we've moved into a point where you are required to sacrifice your body potentially in order for the economy to keep going so that ghouls like Warren Buffett and Mark Zuckerberg and at Jack Dorsey can continue to make a bunch of money. And so that the, the Trump administration's band of thieves can continue to, to increase their piles of gold. And like, I don't know, I'm looking at Lebanon today and I'm just saying maybe we should get some ideas. Um, yeah. So, yeah, before we uh, before we get too far into this one, <laughs> I think we're covering this one every week and there's only so much to say. Like we have no power here to stop a school from opening, but it's it's not um, it's not good. But so moving on to other things in the city of L.A. that are also not good. Uh, we've reported on this several times. Los Angeles Sheriff's Department has a lot of gangs inside the sheriff's department where they call themselves all sorts of festive friendly names like the executioners and the 3000 boys and the vikings and this has been reported on for many 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 years and yet they keep happening well now the executioners which are based in compton and may have been linked to the death of andres guardado have come to light in a big way apparently going after the mayor of compton and her family in a traffic stop but we may finally begin to see the breaking point where sheriff alex's inability to follow the law may finally result in some oversight for that department so let's let's get into the details here yeah, let me actually put this in here because, oh, well, nope, that's not going to work. Never mind. Um, We're doing it live, folks. I'm, We're doing yes, it live. Absolutely, we absolutely are. So uh, as, you, as you mentioned, I was going to try to pull up a picture of the ABC7 headline here because it's a good fucking headline. Uh, quote, LASC executioners, Compton Mayor says deputies have terrorized the community for decades. Reading from the article, Compton Mayor Anja Brown was driving while she uh, driving through the city she leads last June when a Compton Sheriff's deputy flipped a U-turn and pulled her over. Brown was in her family car along with her husband and baby daughter. Quote, I rolled my window down and asked why I was being pulled over. Brown recalled Tuesday outside Compton City Hall. Within seconds, almost seven to nine sheriff deputies' vehicles descended upon the scene, end quote. Brown says the deputies claimed that she ran a red light, something she adamantly denies. Quote, 
They ordered me out of my vehicle and they asked me to put my hands on top of the police vehicle so they could search me as if I were a criminal, Brown said. Mind you, I was accompanied by my husband and my infant daughter in the backseat. I did not look like somebody that is trafficking drugs, end quote. And also was the mayor of Compton. <laughs> like you would think that the sheriff's deputies who work in the city of Compton would know who the mayor of Compton is, especially because Compton is a contract city and the mayor is literally involved in those negotiations and making sure that the sheriff's department gets paid for their contract enforcing the law in Compton. It's, and I have a hard time not thinking that the sheriff's de deputies here knew exactly what they were doing. You think they ran those plates and didn't see who that car belonged to? Yeah, right. It just, they knew what they were doing and they literally decided to intimidate and harass an elected official. And nothing happened to them. Like nothing happened to these deputies. They weren't fired. They weren't put on desk duty. They were just like given their guns and told like, go out there tomorrow, do the same well, shit. So the, the damning thing with this one is that, okay, if you've got like one sheriff's deputy that flips a U-turn and comes over and pulls you over, fine. I can understand that they're like just over eager or whatever. They think they saw something, whatever, like the, or they're just making up excuses to pull over a black person because that's what they do. But for them to then have like seven to nine other sheriff's vehicles descend upon the scene means that they're on the radio calling it in. It means that they've said what their location is. It means that they had time if they were conscientious about what the fuck they do and actually gave a shit to run the plates and start figuring stuff out. But they're too fucking stupid to go out and do this because they just want to get another black family to be in a position where they get to have life and death decisions lorded over them by a bunch of trigger happy thugs. Well, and, and this also comes on the heels of some very upsetting yep. video that came out of Aurora, Colorado, yeah. where a family was pulled over because their SUV's license plate matched a stolen motorcycle, which I owned a motorcycle. The it's... license plates on the back of a motorcycle are not the same as the license plate on the back of a car. They're you, not... in fact, don't even have enough digits on a motorcycle license plate to make it be the license plate of a car. Like... It was yeah. absolutely, it was a lie told by the cops who then pulled guns on a family, put them down on a hot, on a hot blacktop, made them lie their face down in cuffs while pointing guns at them and yelling at them. And this is the same police force that murdered Elijah McClain for the crime of walking home. This isn't like unique to LA County Sheriff's Department, but like LA County Sheriff's Department, I would argue is one of the more egregious examples of policing gone horribly, horribly awry in this country, especially based on the size of the department, the largest police department in California, I believe, more than 10,000 deputies. It's hard to get an exact count because the Sheriff's Department doesn't publish exactly how many employees they have. Like they don't make that public knowledge. They also have a much larger budget just per year than LAPD does the operating budget for the LA Sheriff's Department. And this isn't with pensions and stuff. It's $3.5 billion just to run the department. The pension obligations and everything on top of that are even more because we rely on our sheriff's deputies not just to be basically the government in unincorporated parts of L.A., but to also run all of our jails. And uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, except it just it, it makes me mad, Chris. OK, well, so so let me let me get us back to the topic at hand, um, because ABC 7 does conclude in their story saying, quote, in a statement released Tuesday, the LASD said, we are aware of the allegations regarding Compton Station and have launched multiple investigations. Early on, the sheriff invited the Federal Bureau of Investigation to conduct their own investigation and information is actively being shared with them. By the way. Hey, what, is... what happened the last time the FBI investigated <laughs> someone in the sheriff's department, Chris? 
they got shut down or they didn't get shut down but they suddenly started having a whole bunch of gang gang indictments about their tattoos um but i was well, and also like fucking that that sheriff has... lee baka went to jail for the, lying yes. to the fbi and yes. paul tanaka the number two yes. uh person in the in the lasd hierarchy had a white supremacist gang tattoo and also went to jail for lying to the fbi well that was two investigations ago the last one was the gang investigation what you're talking about is the fair cover enough, up of the like the jail fights that the deputies were organizing which was super fucked up um, yeah, that was that was all about the the obstruction of justice and investigations. There have been too many fucking indictments is what it yeah. really comes down to. Also, they said investigation like eight goddamn times in that paragraph. I'm being hyperbolic, but whatever. Uh, they the final statement here was, quote, we send a clear message. To, so this is uh, coming out of Compton Mayor Pro Tem Michelle Chambers. Uh, saying, quote, we send a message, we send a clear message to the L.A. County Sheriff's Department that you clean up your house, get your house in order, or we will surely help you do that. You have executioners. You have gangs in your house. So Compton's pissed. Board of and Supervisors pissed. And Everybody they, they knows about, about this. this. Like, the, the gangs have literally gone to sheriffs, like, social nights of drinking and gotten in fights where, like, the sheriff's department had to be called to stop their deputies from fighting each other. That was that was a Christmas party 2010. It was actually the Montebello, because I just read up on this. Like, well, it's, it's, this it's happened week. a few times. That's, like, oh, that's, the biggest yeah, one, but it's happened before. Like, you've had other sheriff's deputies gangs show up at house parties thrown by other sheriff's deputies oh, and, yeah, like, yeah, start yeah. fights. Like, that has happened a bunch. Like, they're, they intimidate other sheriffs in order to maintain power. It yep. is – it's so weird. It's so Mad Max. And yet, like, ostensibly society is still functioning. Like, ostensibly, like, there should be some control over this process. Are we, though? Are we? I mean <laughs> – it's an open question at this point. It's just an absolutely open question. But so, like, the pressure is going to stay on at the county level. Um, Sheriff Alex has done a terrible job at winning anyone over to his side uh, who actually decides his budget. Yeah, we yep. are, unfortunately, in the middle of an election year, so we're going to have to wait until after November for any of these people to actually do anything. But the one thing I will say is whoever Mark Ridley's replacement is, be it Herb Wesson or Holly Mitchell, I'm, I'm hoping for Holly, but... Whoever it is, I think that they are going to continue kind of pushing for oversight. I think that we're not going to see this ending anytime soon. And there's going to be also a chance to, like, recall Sheriff Alex, which would be really, really cool to see happen. And maybe even just reformat this department entirely, because having an elected sheriff with this much power and this much accountability does not make sense. So let's move on to our next cop story, because we got another fun one about unaccountability, CPRA requests, and LAPD relying on their chosen mouthpiece to spread misinformation uh, through, um, um, ah, shit, uh, through omission. There we go. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about um, Bill from Fox taking on Mike Bonin. Yeah, so uh, this was a tweet that went out uh, last night at uh 5 45 p.m uh and quickly got a whole shitload of retweets and likes on it um and bill is basically claiming that bonin is being a hypocrite uh because he thinks that this public records request shows that bonin has called for the police to show up at his house multiple times increased patrols yada 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 now uh, let's, before we before we get into the truth bit let's talk about the implications of what bill's trying to say here 
Um, so the the implication here is that, um, and so this is this is there actually is a little bit like there's a kernel of truth to all of this that makes it so much more digestible and you know believable for the more credulous amongst us. But what happened is that like when Bonin was the last running for office, he did have part of his campaign was to increase the number of foot patrols on the west side, specifically I think it was in Venice. So like yeah. That, that was absolutely part of the platform that he ran on. In the time since then, he has very much shifted to the left on these issues, and we welcome his presence in this fight as a supporter of what we're trying to do in terms of coming out and, and being actively supportive of the People's Budget Program, yeah. um, pushing for these these new... like He, he and Marquise Harris-Dawson are, are co-authoring this uh, move to get LAPD out of all of traffic stops, which well, honestly... And, and, yeah, and also it. holding town halls about reimagining public safety along with Herb and MHD and yep. Current Price yep. in coordination with Black Lives Matter and People's Budget LA. Like, he he's doing the work that like we've been asking him to do and it wouldn't surprise me in the least to find out that the part of the reason for why this public records request was even filed was because of that work that he has been doing and specifically about the one relating to the traffic stops because that seems to have really 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 triggered the cops more than anything else because they don't i don't think that they're that opposed to the motion that like uh that herb wesson has put out there because removing the police from the interactions with the unhoused, removing them from mental health checks, removing them from a bunch of these kind of situations. That's something that the cops want. They don't want to be doing yeah. that work because they hate doing that work. They think of it as thankless. They don't get to run around, you know, acting they, like they want to be SWAT officers. They, they want to be yeah. Rambo. They want to be like all of the SWAT folks that apparently have their own fucking mafia. We're not even going to go well, into that one right now. But but, but the, the other implication that, that comes with this is just the way that Bill framed this tweet that Bonin was calling yes. the cops on protesters. At this time, that's supposed to, in your mind, say that Bonin is calling the cops on lefty protesters, BLM oh, protesters, yeah, 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 yeah. protesters like us. Like, that's what that's what Bill is trying to say here without saying it. He's trying to be like, oh, you think Bonin's on your side? Well, he yeah. actually calls the cops on protesters. Chris, who were these protesters? <laughs> These were the people that were protesting against having a bridge home shelter built in the neighborhood. They hate and also homeless people, people who are and also anti BLM protesters. Yes. Protesters who showed up at his house to say we think BLM is wrong. Like these were white reactionary homeowners on the west side who showed up very loudly and very callously after shutting down town halls with the mayor and Mike yep. Bonin about yep. a bridge yep. home to show up and like take the fight to Bonin's doorstep, which like sure. Great. You have First Amendment rights. You can show up in an elected official's house and make your voice heard. We do it all the time. But to leave out that fact makes this tweet just on its face disingenuous. And lying by omission is not less of a lie. Well, and on top of that, Bonin makes his claim later. Yeah, let's so so let's let's uh yeah, let's cover Bonin's response because I think Bonin's response is really good. And then we'll go from there to talk about kind of the questions around the CPRA request, because there's a lot of weird stuff going on there if you do this kind of investigative journalism here in LA. Absolutely. But let's let's talk about Bonin's debunking thread because it's really good. Bonin's debunking thread is really fucking good. We'll definitely be including a link to this. I don't want to go over in too much detail because I walls of text on the screen as we're doing this is not great. But uh, he says, quote, no, Bill, this is as false as the tampon story you broke. I have never asked LAPD for patrols at my house, end quote. And that's 
true as far as we can tell and like that actually is borne out in the public records request but when later in the in the thread that bonin put out there he's straight up says like the only time that he has called the lapd to be responding to anything relating to these protests was when a bunch of these right wing right wing shitbags came up to his house and dropped a bunch of used syringes on his front porch on the doorstep to his house by the way, Bonin and his husband have a young child. They do. Like these people dumped medical waste, dangerous medical waste on his doorstep. Correct. So the only reason why he has called the LAPD was to collect that evidence of the fact that he is being harassed in this way with, with which that is just fucked up for them to be doing that. Like instead of dumping medical waste on a council member's doorstep, I would encourage them in the future to just like put it in a safe needle container. Yeah, but I think something that, that that's really interesting here is the, the public records uh, identify uh, eight different times that LAPD showed up at his house. Seven of those times were not initiated by Bonin, but were initiated by LAPD themselves. LAPD said people are protesting at Bonin's house. Let's send a patrol over there to see what's up. And the funny thing is that's coded like we figure that out by just looking at the records where it says it's a police initiated request based on their own codes. So it was pretty easy to tell that this was disingenuous and that if you took two seconds to look at these records, you would understand that Bill is kind of off his rocker here and just lying about the nature of these calls. And also the fact that like none of them resulted in any arrests. The only thing that did happen out of any of them was collecting evidence so that that evidence was accounted for. But beyond that, let's talk about how Bill apparently got the CPR request, CPRA request Oh, go ahead. I just wanted to really quickly read because this was was brilliant to see how the cops fucking lie. They lie all the time. So yeah. Bill Bill posted a tweet, uh, quote tweeting Bonin's uh, response, saying that this was all false. Bill says Councilman Bonin denies ever calling LAPD to his home in this thread. Links to the thread. Multiple LAPD sources, multiple LAPD sources say they would not generate their own calls for a simple patrol. Have high-level LAPD source texted me the following response to Bonin's claims. Quote, this was definitely a call for service by Bonin or a member of his staff. From time to time, we are called from high up to respond to city council members' residences, but don't usually generate a call ourselves. The call would have been placed by the resident or someone reporting something happening at that address. Holy shit, LAPD. Y'all are fucking bad at this. <laughs> yeah. No, they're just straight up lying. So um, it was like, yeah. like you had said, uh, if you actually dig into the request, all of these calls get coded in a certain way. And it gets coded differently if the call is coming from within LAPD versus from outside of LAPD with a call for service from the public. And uh, what was fun was that can't type letters uh, who has been doing, uh, I, I can't actually say that there's a W in there. I don't know what the fuck the pronunciation is. No, but they, they've been doing amazing graphic yes. work showing like taking some of these huge <laughs> numbers and concepts that we're constantly grappling with and putting them into incredibly shareable, understandable threads oh, yeah. and graphic Absolutely. design layouts that are just A, beautiful and B, incredibly yes. informative. Absolutely. So uh, they pulled the they 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 went in and responded to Bill uh, by saying, you know, read the record poll. Item one A is for his calls. There's two, but within the same hour, which Mike notes. Item one B requests for police calls initiated as Mike Bonin claims. Item two is also not Mike initiated. This makes two calls for one incident at midnight, one a.m. four four to four five. That's it. Everything else is cop initiated. 
Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but what's what what's interesting here is, as uh, Michael Kohlhaas has pointed out, as every investigative yep. journalist in the city of Los Angeles has pointed out, getting a CPRA, CPRA request fulfilled can be very time-consuming and very yeah. frustrating. Apparently, Bill's got, like, an immediate turnaround on his CPRA request, except... Bill didn't make these requests. Yeah, so Bill even says he did not make the request. <laughs> so, who made the request? My my money is on somebody from LAPPL or somebody within the department, and that they then pulled their own records and gave them to Bill as a kind of like disinformation campaign. Because how else can you explain LAPD being that immediately responsive to a CPRA request that they are constantly fighting tooth and nail? That they're constantly trying to tell journalists and people seeking the truth, no, you can't have access to those documents for these BS reasons. Or, oh, we're going to make it super hard for you to get these documents. Like, you can't have an electronic copy. You have to show up and take photos of them yourself. Like, all of these little games that they play over and over oh, yeah. and over again. Bill, for some reason, is immune from those. And 100%. I feel like that says a lot. It does. And this is, so it's funny that you mentioned that because that's exactly what Adam Smith was saying in our chat because uh, we have at least one person watching us and that is Adam. Uh, <laughs> hi, Adam. Uh, Adam we'll we'll said, try and keep the F-bombs to a minimum for the kids. Uh, well, I mean, not like the kids haven't seen all of that before. <clears throat> uh, quote, how quick the CPRA came back is telling, too. As someone who has filed many with LAPD, they love to drag them out. End quote. So, yes, Adam, thank you for corroborating exactly what Tim was just saying. Uh, it's fucking wild. Like, I can't believe how this guy, like... <laughs> Bill is such a sack of shit. <laughs> like, and this is remember, this is this is the guy who broke the tampon in a Frappuccino <laughs> story, and was like Starbucks murder. Starbucks employees are attempting to murder people with tampons until you look at it. You're like, one, that doesn't look like a tampon. Uh, two, do you know what a tampon is, Bill? No. And three, what? It, and what's really funny is like there was a whole investigation over it. I think what was ultimately determined was that it was a cleaning cloth that somehow ended up in there. Um, the Starbucks employees have not taken responsibility for that because I don't think they did. I think whoever staged that photo did that themselves in an attempt to like go after service workers for Whoa. some reason. Like cops are always under this impression that they're like an oppressed class and that everyone 100%. is out to get them. Yeah, yeah. And literally no Absolute one's out to get you. Yep. Like no one is. Like we, we literally just want you to not have a job, just have a different job. Like don't be a maniac carrying a gun. Go find a different way to pay your mortgage in Copabasis. It's fine. You 100%. can do it. If the Kardashians can afford to live in Copabasis, you too, Mr. LAPD patrol officer, can figure out a way to pay for your mortgage. But so uh, for a little bit more context on that one, I, I think it's worth pointing out that that story was clearly fed to Bill by an LAPD source. I mean, it was basically said as much in the thread, but the uh, but then he the also he, he, he released that notes app where like he got a text message explaining that stuff. He copy and pasted out of his text message into a notes thread into a notes like uh, app on his phone and then took a screenshot and posted that on Twitter, yep. refused to show the rest of the conversation or answer questions about it. Yep, yep. But it was clearly an LAPD officer like explaining to him how to contextualize the disinformation he was just fed. Yep. Um, and then like touching back really quick, the Tampuccino thing came out right like the same week that NYPD had been claiming that they were being poisoned at Shake Shack, which 
Fun story. Well, not, with even, that one. not even NYPD. It was the NYPD union because yes. what happened was like three cops went in for shakes. They got their shakes. They were all like, ah, oh, this tastes kind of funny. And they threw it out. And one of them like talked to their union rep. It was like, oh, we got a milkshake, but it tasted kind of funny. And I don't know. We just threw it out. And then NYPD's cop union just like went all the way there, claiming that people are poisoning cops. They they had to go to the hospital and they're fighting for their lives. And then it turns out that no one went to the hospital. Nobody got sick. Nobody even drank the milkshakes. They literally went back to the counter and said, these taste funny. The manager took a look at it and was like, yeah, whatever. Here's three new milkshakes. It's not that expensive. I'll just make you new milkshakes. And it turned out what happened was like, there was, I think, a little bit of bleach contamination from the fact that, like, they're trying to keep people free of COVID, and, like, the retail workers accidentally used a little bit too much bleach in the cleaning process. And, and like, I mean, at least LAPPL didn't make that same mistake on the tampon story. Like, they didn't go all the way there. Uh, but, yeah, that was a, a banner week for uh, for police playing the victim in all sorts of weird ways. So the fun thing with that one was that this tampon story had come out before the revelation came through that the NYPD union had been making all of that shit up. So it looked like it was an attempt to bolster a national narrative of the cops are being oppressed and threatened by service workers uh, in fast food industry. Um I think this was also the same week that the cop released the crying video about her McMuffin being delayed. Oh, Remember yeah. That? Yeah. Where she I... wasn't even a cop. She was a bailiff. <laughs> like, she wasn't even a cop. Like, she was trying to steal cop out. <laughs> oh, the cops. Anyway, long story short, everything is fucking stupid. Bill, you are a sack of shit, and you have the least credibility when it comes to reporting. He's... You well, should he also, be fired. He, Fox should be, you know, apologizing. Well, and also, like, he goes on Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity oh, a yeah, lot. Yeah, like, yeah. this is an L.A.-based journalist who is making common cause with the most reactionary, racist, and pro-fascist national media figures that we've got. And this is something, like, Citations Needed has done a lot of reporting on this. But unfortunately, local news is essentially a mouthpiece for local police. Oh, yeah. They will publish their press releases, they'll publish yeah. their feel-good stories, They're they will, you know, when when LAPD shoots someone, they just yeah. release the press release, essentially. Yeah. Now, I, I will have to say, over the last year or so, because of public pressure from places like Black Lives Matter LA, from White People for Black Lives, from a host of other groups out there, local media, at least at the LA Times and like some other outlets, have gotten better about waiting until there's a full assessment instead of just publishing the like two line LAPD shot someone blah 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 or not even LAPD shot someone but there was an officer involved shooting passive and, voice you know, whatever, passive voice yeah, whatever BS LAPD first pushes out like we no longer are just getting those press releases published we're at least getting some reporting and some investigation before that gets printed in the LA Times and that is an absolute sea change like that is new in the last year and really good to see because if you've tried to chart officer-involved shootings in the city of LA, it is nearly impossible to figure out how many of those happen because mm -hmm. so few of them previously got any kind of full reporting or even a mention. Like, if you got shot in South LA at 2 a.m., very small chance the LA Times was going to even mention that that happened. Well, so this, this also ties in briefly to a thing that we're not going to actually talk about in depth, but... Uh, when you were leaving the ground game office on Wednesday, you, you mentioned to me that something had gone down and I dug into it a little oh, bit. Yeah, no, no. And, yeah. So it was the shooting at Wilton and Santa Monica because Wilton is how I get home from the office. Absolutely. So what was 
first reported in that one was that uh, there were two officers. They were doing a mental health check and that one of the officers ended up getting shot and that the mental health check was on an individual who was armed. Uh, yeah. That was like the first stage of reporting. Yeah, you, you sent me that that patch.com uh, because I thought Chris was sitting at home being a, a lazy like roustabout. And instead, oh, he was actually on. out at the he was out at the, the Hall of Justice uh, where he is pretty much every Wednesday. And Yay. I just kind of forgot that he would be That's there. Okay. But I was like, I'm in the car. Google this story for me. And Chris was like, no, I'm out like doing stuff. I was like, oh, crap. But like when I rolled up to the scene, I knew that it was a shooting because not only was the yellow tape up, but there were a million cops and they had the red crime scene investigation tape up. And you only see that stuff out there when mm -hmm. they're investigating some sort of an act of violence and they need a lot of forensic evidence. So what ended up being the case, though, which was why it's so fucking unbelievable. And I'm glad that they didn't get this reported out really quick. I mean, some of them did, but at least the only times didn't run with it. But it turns out that one of the cops was the one that shot the other cop. And a dog. And a dog. Like, <laughs> what the fuck were they and doing? The guy and the guy was armed, but he was armed with scissors because scissors. he was threatening to harm himself. Yes. And so was... LAPD, like two LAPD cops showed up to a man who's like, I'm going to take my own life. And they're like, we're going to fucking shoot you to death for that. It just absolutely fucking bonkers that they do this shit and they do it yeah. all the and goddamn then, time. And then two days later, Friday morning, the cops showed up at a man uh, at a call for a man who was disoriented uh, up by Balboa Park and shot him, too. Two mental health crises in two days resulted in the police shooting someone. And not that anyone was threatened, like not that anyone's life outside of the person uh, who was being responded to or the person in crisis was threatened. And the police yep. harmed the people in crisis. So, yep. you know, to, just to kind of like tie a bow on this one, this is one reason Fuck why like cops. Herb Wesson's, uh, yeah, well, Herb Wesson's plan to get cops out of mental health care response mm -hmm is a really good one. And it's something to think about where like, I think there is maybe an argument out there that like, we could possibly need armed backup for some of these situations, right? That it could be possible that you would need somebody with a gun to respond. Not the first response though, nope, not even not the second first. response. Yep. Literally the response of last resort. And we need to be investing in teams outside of pet teams who come with armed responses. We need actual mental health crises counselors and community-based mental health care in order to like fix this stuff because the the cops and like mental health health care crisis workers are right where having them show up to an acute event like that doesn't solve anything Escalates. we need actual community health care over the long term to treat chronic mental illness to get people what they need to get them therapy to get them medication if they need it to get them the the tools and the community care that they need to get through their health problem you know we don't look at somebody who has cancer and code that person as a danger but we look at somebody who has schizophrenia or somebody who has bipolar disorder and decide that person is dangerous even though it is a medical issue mental health care is just as much of a a medical issue as regular health care um, I, I just, the, yep. the, this is like, and I don't yep. know, I'm, I'm kind of talking myself in circles today, but it's <laughs> to, to tie a bow on this LAPD keeps showing why we need to defund them. Like the yes. best argument against continuing to fund LAPD is LAPD's own behavior. 100%. That is perfect. Thank you. Yeah. So, all right, moving on to people <laughs> who uh, should also be defunded. Let's talk about SoCal gas and Sempra energy. <laughs> 
SoCal gas, everyone's favorite. Uh, oops, I don't know what that just did, but it looks like it's fine. Um, I, I'm just uh, that's a that's a very nice burger. That's that's a you. nice kitchen. It's a nice it's a very clean looking uh, you know natural gas like clean natural gas flame that definitely isn't introducing any benzene into your house. Got a lot of BTUs in there. Uh, that's a pretty good number, yeah. Uh, so the LA Times' Sammy Roth was reporting on August 4th that, quote, California sued over climate change policy by the nation's biggest gas utility, end quote. So um, the context for this one, it's, it's worth remembering because during the tenure of Governor Brown, a lot of things were happening with SoCal Gas and with Sempra, the parent company of SoCal Gas. Mainly, uh, as we mentioned last week, there's not, you know, there have been calls to shut down the Aliso Canyon gas storage facility. There have been a lot of issues around uh, just all sorts of shady shit that the so that SoCal Gas and Semper were doing. And one of the reasons why we think that things didn't happen with all of that is that Jerry Brown's sister sits on the board of Semper Energy. Now, that being said, they have continued to be shitty. And we've had this really bizarre narrative across the whole fucking country of treating natural gas as like a bridge between fossil fuels and clean energy as though natural gas were not a fucking fossil fuel. No, I've, I've literally heard industry people use the term renewable natural gas, uh, which sure, like if we if we well, if we want to wait like 60 million years <laughs> for another mass extinction. And, you know, like then, yeah, it's renewable, like over a long enough timeline. Like, sure, it's a renewable resource, I guess. Oh, yeah, it's, it's renewable once you fossilize the plankton and turn it into a large enough uh, combustible fuel source. So a bending the truth in very fucked up ways. Anyway, it also I, it also elides the fact that like pulling natural gas out of the ground is even more destructive than pulling oil out of the ground. Like fracking is generally used to pull out natural yeah. gas, not so much used to pull oil out of the ground. And it's something we don't talk enough about, like the fracking revolution that Obama helped really kickstart yeah. has been incredibly destructive because just the act of pulling it out of the ground is that much worse. Absolutely. So that's yeah, 100%. That is that is 100% the part of the, the core problem here that people like to overlook because we were literally just sold uh, when, you know, it was, it basically it was like after Fahrenheit 9-11, uh, we got hit with, uh, I mean, I think that was the name of it, right? The Gore documentary piece? No, Fahrenheit 9-11 was the Michael Moore um, documentary oh, about... Um, the war on terror and everything and like which one why we the, invaded the iraq for no reason yeah. uh an inconvenient truth inconvenient truth that's right so after yeah, he the won an oscar yeah all right so after inconvenient truth came out basically everyone was like uh what are we gonna do so then all of these fossil fuel companies were just like tacked over to natural gas and they're like look it's clean because it doesn't produce like as much shit as coal <laughs> like, well well the, one of the reasons they also tacked over to that was that the u.s doesn't have a lot of oil like Correct. we do have some oil fields. Like Texas has a lot of oil uh, up towards to like North Dakota and South Dakota. Like LA also, we're an oil city, but we have more natural gas available than we have oil available. We don't have these massive fields that Venezuela oh, has, that Iran Dakota. has, that Saudi Arabia has. So the American energy producers were like, well, how do we exploit this resource that we that we have here, and how do we also like off? How do we offset the sort of OPEC? Uh, domination of our fossil fuel industry across the globe. And the answer was fracking and natural gas and liquid natural gas, especially like the US is is the largest exporter of liquid natural gas, which in and of itself is a whole 
thing. Like, like transporting oil across this planet is really dangerous. Transporting liquid natural gas across this planet, I mean, if a liquid natural gas tanker ever went up, it would make Beirut look like a firework. Like the amount of, of potential energy in those tankers as they traverse the seas is astronomical. So what you're saying is that this was all part of U.S. imperialism? Yes. <laughs> and, it, and it worked. It like, that's the funny thing is like the, the, the fracking revolution, the natural gas revolution here in the U.S. destroyed the oil market. That's one reason oil has cratered and never been able to recover. So like when we talk about peak oil, what peak oil doesn't mean is we're running out of oil. What it does mean is we're no longer able to profitably exploit those resources. Like once it costs more than about $30 a barrel to produce oil, it's no longer profitable yep. and there's no reason to keep doing it. Like you lose money on every barrel of oil that you're producing and so people stop producing that oil. And that's yep. kind of where, where LNG and natural gas are supposed to bridge that gap and say, oh, okay, producing oil oil no longer makes us money, but we still need to make money from energy production we can do that with natural gas and liquid natural gas. Absolutely. So going back to the story, uh, Southern California Gas Company is taking its battle. And this is reading directly from the article. Yeah. Southern California Gas Company is taking its battle with state officials over climate change policy to court, arguing in a new lawsuit that the California Energy Commission has failed to promote natural gas as required by state law. Oh, my God. I just learned that we are by law forced to. Ah. The lawsuit filed Friday in Orange County Superior Court is the latest attempt by SoCal Gas to shield itself against efforts to phase out gas, a planet-warming fossil fuel used for heating, cook heating, cooking, and power generation. The company, which maintains its headquarters in Los Angeles and is owned by Sempra Energy of San Diego, took in $4.5 billion in operating revenue last year. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah that's... that's that's mad. And, and, and just out of curiosity, um, you know, are there any large oil facility or sorry, gas storage facilities in, in the city of Los Angeles that uh, yes. we might know about? <laughs> uh, Liso Canyon gas storage facility. Uh, yeah, there's a huge one. And this is like we've seen a massive uptick in the usage of that facility. And, and it's it was supposed to be phased out. Governor Newsom made an agreement that to do so to shut it down. And instead, SoCal Gas has turned around and, and increased the usage of it, which means that there's an increase in the release of benzene and other toxic chemicals that are devastating the communities up in Porter Ranch and around it in the North Ridge area. Like, it yeah. is massively fucked up. And, is, uh, and we, this is we, an issue we, that's not going away. We, we talked about this a bit with Nicole uh, yeah. last week as far as how fucked up uh, Aliso Canyon is. But one of the things that I also want to point to here is we're – Constantly since 9-11, like since the, the, you know, turn to the war on terror, the U.S. narrative has been about like how we care about first responders. Well, a lot of members of, of the L.A. Fire Department are now suing Sempra and SoCal Gas for lying to them about what they were exposed to and not being forthright about the toxic stuff that they were breathing in while they were responding to this, helping evacuate neighborhoods because people were literally poisoned out of their homes. Uh, and so we're, we're in this position where we literally have evil gas companies poisoning the fire department and then refusing to allow the fire department to know what they yep. were poisoned by. And now apparently we're legally required to promote yep. the evil gas companies. Yep, it's Captain Planet, where are you? <laughs> God damn it. I missed that, that cartoon. It was so good. 
Um, I mean, it, I do, I do miss their particular brand of villain where a guy's like, I'm gonna hoi- hi- uh, I'm gonna hijack an oil tanker, and it's like, why? Well, I'm gonna run it into a beach full of seals to teach the seals a lesson in complacency, <laughs> and you're like, why wouldn't you like sell the oil? Like, why? All right, whatever. Like, no, I, I'm just honestly, saying the characterization of the villains in Captain Planet could have been better. But it's, it. I was actually, I'll push back a little bit on that. It almost feels like the people that are the true villains in real life right now are trying to ape that shit from Captain Planet villains. Like, they're literally just like, yeah. I want to kill the seals for the sake of killing the seals. Teach them a lesson. Anyway, uh, at the end of Sammy's article, he concludes with saying, with, um, putting out a, a, a written statement from uh, Harold Wimmer. So, quote, in a written statement after the regulation was approved, American Lung Association President Harold Wimmer said he, the organization supports, quote, the widespread and rapid shift to zero emission transportation is vital to improving lung health and saving lives. Too many low-income communities and communities of color are exposed to unhealthy air quality from the diesel truck traffic of nearby freeways, ports, warehouse distribution centers, and other diesel hotspots, Wimmer said. Quote, everyone deserves to breathe clean and healthy air, and the Lung Association calls on other states to follow this life-saving policy that moves the trucking sector towards zero-emission solutions. Uh, SoCal Gas gave more than $50,000 last year to the California Natural Gas Vehicle Coalition. Newly released disclosure forms show. The company also gave $222,000 to the ProGas advocacy group Californians for Balanced Energy Solutions. We played their video a couple weeks ago, uh, which it helped create, and $24,000 to a nonprofit associated with the California Restaurant Association, which sued the city of Berkeley over its first-in-the-state gas ban. So what we're talking about here is natural gas was being touted as a way to supplant uh, diesel in the trucking sector and in buses. That's why you see like all of those buses running around with like the LNG on the back of it, the liquefied natural gas. That or or um, CNGs, I think that some of them say, like compressed natural gas. Yeah. All, all of these various alternative fuels that were meant to uh, dramatically improve the air quality of the facility, of the areas where the buses have been running around. Like, yes, yeah. they are demonstrably better from a particulate emissions uh, perspective than diesel. Like, no question about that one. Yeah. But this is one of those things of... Natural gas has been pitched as like a stopgap measure that really is doing a lot. It's claimed to be able to do a lot more heavy lifting of easing our reliance on fossil fuels and diminishing the amount of natural of um, like CO2 emissions and other toxic emissions that we're releasing into the environment. But the reality is, is that it's like increasing investment in it is only going to prolong the duration of like the eventual uh, drawdown of our reliance on fossil fuels as a whole like yeah. we don't need to be investing like when we have especially now that we have like battery options for uh, electric buses and there's there are multiple companies coming out with both battery powered uh, you know short haul trucks that could be able to be used for going from the port of Los Angeles up to the rail yards like we can get battery options we can get uh, even clean hydrogen options, if that stuff actually starts to take off here. There are a lot of alternatives away from natural gas and, and, and even for, which is, uh, you know, even further away from uh, the diesel that we're currently relying upon. But the fact that natural gas is this like, no, we must be a part of these solutions while we're not actually solving the real problems. We must be included and we will fight tooth and nail and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to ensure that natural gas is just 
a mainstay of society, whether it be in cooking, transportation, whatever. They want to stay in this process and they will fight and sue to make sure that that is that they stay relevant. And it's fucking gross. And it's it's two things kind of come to mind here. One is the fact that we don't talk about supply chains or the logistics of pulling natural gas out of ground and how dangerous that is. And that when you actually take that into account, it's comparative advantages to just oil oil aren't all that great. But the other is that instead of talking about how we can use degrowth and slow growth to create a more equitable society and how we can, instead of saying, oh, all of these trucks traveling down through the 710 corridor, shipping all of your Amazon goods across the nation should be running on liquid natural gas and compressed natural gas, and that'll be healthier for people along that corridor. We should be talking about like, how do we order less stuff from Amazon? How do we make stuff more localized? How do we not rely on these international supply chains? Not that like international trade is bad, but we know that the amount of pollution created by these insane levels of trade and these insane like trade things where you can literally have chickens born and raised in Indiana, slaughtered, frozen, shipped to China, carcasses processed in China, refrozen, sent back, and then sold on American supermarkets is not like the most efficient way to do that. Like, it doesn't make sense to me that 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 chicken has to do a literal world round trip in order to get you to your dinner plate. Like that doesn't make any sense unless your focus is on creating profit rather than actually creating a good product and service for people. And that's what it is. Like Tyson couldn't compete if they had to compete with local producers. Like their supply chains just don't make any effing sense. And also they wouldn't be able to exploit people as profitably. So there's a lot of things going on here. A lot of very simple questions just not being asked, but also like before we move on, these AstroTurf names, like there should be a law against that. There should literally be a law (laughs) against saying, you know, we're the Californians for balanced energy solutions without saying like balanced energy means we're just going to keep polluting and creating CO2 and methane emissions that are going to heat the planet to the point where it is unlivable for human civilization. Like truth in advertising. Oh my Buddha, truth in advertising. But let's move on to our last story of the week. Uh, CCED has been charting uh, and CCED is Chinatown uh, for for Chinatown Community for Equitable Development. Thank you. They have been charting what's been going on around a quickly gentrifying or attempting to gentrify building in Chinatown uh, and the the just absolutely ridiculous stuff that the landlords here have been pulling. Um, I apologize for anyone who is an artist or has graphic design sensibilities. Uh, This particular bit of vandalism uh, is an affront to all of our senses, but we got to show it to you. Yeah, so uh, it's a thing. Let me just go ahead. So Josie Huang over at LAist has been doing the... She, she broke a, a great story about this uh, or compiled a great story about this uh, and the efforts of uh, CCED to fight this gentrification process. You know, this is something that CCED has been literally doing their entire... Uh, through their entire existence. And they are unbelievably good at uh, showing this, this that, that they get ignored because... They're a ragtag group of, uh, you know, housing organizers who are compiled, compiled, like they've got, they're composed of a bunch of people who are monolingual Spanish speakers, monolingual Chinese speakers, I think, uh, like monolingual uh, Armenian as well. I'm not entirely sure on that one, but they've got like, they exemplify language justice and organizing like horizontal organizing principles in a way that I just, you know, it's, it's rare and beautiful to see. And I love it. 
But uh, Josie uh, did some really great reporting on this. So I'm just going to read the first little bit of an introductory bit from her piece before we kind of dive into it. And so this is directly relating to what this picture is that I've got up on the screen at the moment. So, quote, sniffing fumes of spray paint that had wafted inside her apartment last Sunday, Kim Kim Jung, or sorry, Kim Kin Ung, uh, walked outside her building on the edge of Chinatown and was shocked by what she saw. From top to bottom, the six-unit apartment complex at 920 Everett Street had been tagged with giant pink hearts and the money bag carrying mascot of the Monopoly game, the face obscured by a hot pink face mask. There was an American flag and the words for rent and welcome. Um, I don't know what what was the message here? Like I, before I, we go into this, what let's all put on like our, 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 our art history hats. <laughs> what is this piece of art trying to tell me? Because I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, and it's a and it's a money bag with the yen symbol on it too, which I don't understand. What like this is in Chinatown? It's not in Little Tokyo. It's I genuinely don't understand this. So um, what ends up coming out is that so there these are the, these are the tenants. Um, one of whom I mean, if a, you're gonna vandalize, sorry, before you move on, if you're gonna mm-hmm. vandalize your building with art. I demand thematic coherence and easily identifiable <laughs> symbology that has a coherent message to it. Well, Just what's, FYI. What's, what's incoherent about this method, this, this messaging to you, Bushido? Like, don't you get it? It's America. It's the Monopoly Man. It's the Yen. And it's hearts. Infrared. And he has boxing gloves on? Yeah. And it also, I don't know why it says 920 on it. Oh, it's got the address. Wait, they graffitied the address? <laughs> oh, what like I the keep fuck? looking at this absolute disaster and just trying to figure out, like, yeah. what were you... Like, I guess they're trying to go for, like, a Banksy-type feel, which, like, okay, like, you're trying to... I. It's true impressive art, how bad it bad is. Bad art hurts my soul. So, but but we're seeing this. Like you can, if you look at the picture, you can see that it's got nine twenty scrawled next to the Monopoly man's head. It's got nine twenty scrolled on each of the pillars at the front of the house. Which, like, why would you graffiti the address? I mean, the there, I. So my understanding is this particular landlord was trying to force people out. Yes. So they're well, trying to make the building less desirable to other people or make it look like it was some crime ridden, like tenement house. Like, I just I don't it, understand it, it. No, it doesn't make any sense. So this is what's fun here is that this is actually the third landlord that these folks have had in the last year. I think actually in the last six months, because what happened was that originally it was owned by a mom and pop landlord who decided that they wanted to get out of the business. So then they sold it off to another company, um, which was, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Oh, American Collateral, which that's a fucking name. Um, so then the, the American Collateral immediately posted uh, 60 day notices uh, for tenants to leave because they planned on doing some renovations in the building. So they were kicking everybody out. And this was like at the beginning of COVID. And so, uh, this all happened where uh, CCD was approached that they, they started organizing together. They, end, they ended up going out and doing a protest uh, in um, ba, 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 where did they go? Uh, they went to Brentwood looking for their landlord's home and they protested outside of that house. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and then American Collateral promptly sold the building to a company called VF Developments in January. Okay, so I'm sorry. This That all happened before the COVID stuff happened. Uh, okay. Then... Uh, because they, people didn't want to didn't want to get displaced uh, because holy shit, uh, they went and they protested the landlord. The landlord decided to sell it off again. So the new landlords came in, and it's VF Developments, which is uh, headed by a woman named Victoria Vu. Um, and it's funny because apparently the the tenants are saying that they saw Victoria at the building doing the spray painting. Oh, all right. Well, Victoria, so, you know, I, I guess I, I don't really begrudge Victoria for not pursuing her dreams of being a world-renowned graph artist. Like, those skills need a little bit of work. So I guess the fallback so, was, you know, being a shitty landlord. So fun story. She's uh, got a, her, her, her social media profile. I know this because uh, she got into a fight with uh, some of the K-Town for All folks. So there were a bunch of little snippets going back and forth. Uh, and I think it was about this complex back in January and then uh, shortly thereafter when again, so Victoria and her company decided to post the 60 day notices again during the fucking pandemic. So they're threatening to evict grandmas and other low income folks from their fucking homes during a goddamn pandemic while there's an eviction ban in place. Well, or at least they're laying the groundwork. So Correct. once yes. the eviction ban goes away, day one, they can be in court getting grandma kicked out. Yeah. So it's it's a mess. But uh, just for a little bit more context of who Victoria is, her Instagram bio includes, quote, I enjoy collecting properties and transforming dirt to diamonds, end quote. Fuck you, Victoria. <laughs> uh, also, she does uh, apparently do Halloween like, and I always, costume I, I just I always like how the people who are like, I enjoy coming in and saving buildings and stuff, they never do that for the benefit of the people living there or the community as it exists. What they're always saying in a coded racist, classist way is, we're going to get rid of the poor riffraff who are here, making this community not be the best that it can in favor of wealthier people will allow this community to rise to its potential, which it can only arise to when I get rid of all of the people in this community. Yeah, so apparently uh, the tenants are still trying to pay their rent, which so they're not on rent strike. They're trying to pay their rent, but Vu is refusing to accept their rent checks because doing so would void her order that they leave the building. Uh, so the tenants are not giving up. They are fighting all the time. They're trying to pay their rent. Uh, they actually went to, do, 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 they went to try to personally deliver their yeah. rent to Vu at her house in Costa Mesa. Uh, they were joined by other, by other organizers from, uh, CCED. There's a great little Instagram bit there. Tons of information. Uh, ba, ba, ba. what else is Well, there? it's also, it's one thing where when you're a tenant in the state of California mm -hmm. and the landlord's trying to pull kind of bullshit keep those records and like keep your checks, like keep an escrow account that's like, I have all the rent to pay because in the course of eviction proceedings, you can be like, yo, I've been trying to pay my rent and they won't accept it. And that can help you keep your house. But it's kind of a bullshit lie that this landlord's trying to play off of and be like, oh, nobody's paid the rent. Just make sure that you're keeping track of the fact that you tried to pay yep. the rent and they literally didn't let you because yep. then it becomes not a non-payment issue. It becomes a landlord not doing their job issue and that can keep you in your home. Yeah, so it, it's this is a mess. Uh, everyone should read the article. So CCED did a great little protest in front God, of what a, the house. What a terrible house. She's got the gentrification fence and like the God, what a. 
so Victoria really, doesn't have good she doesn't have good aesthetics no and so that that uh you can see the pink wrapped Tesla there with like the pink camouflage uh apparently that pink Tesla which by the way if you're gonna go and you're gonna graffiti stuff uh being you you should not drive a vehicle that is easily recognizable um because apparently that pink Tesla was seen out in front of the also, house at 920 Everett Street when this thing went down what an ugly car. Can we get a restraining order for Victoria to never be allowed into like another like uh, art supply store? Because I, I honestly <laughs> think that like allowing her around tools of creation can only go wrong. Uh, oh. Just wow. Imagine spending $80,000 on that car, rolling up to a custom car wrapping place and being like, yo, pink camo right now. Yep. It's absolutely fucking wild. Um, so there's there's yeah. Go read the article. Go look at the Instagram stuff that CCD has been posting because CCD fucking rules. Um, yeah. I've also been uh, informed that uh, Hannah Wong in, from Ground Game is saying in the chat here that there's going to be a CCED car protest at 11 a.m. on Monday in Chinatown. Yeah. And Starts... so, but for for people watching, so this yep. this issue isn't resolved. No. We need to keep the pressure on, and we 100%. need to keep supporting this community. Absolutely. And one way you can do that is by showing up at this protest. So it's going to start at 11 in the morning. Uh, it's going to be at the Fall Broadway, which the location for that is 942 North Broadway, uh, 90012. And it's going to be ending with a press conference around noon at City Hall. So uh, show up, uh, turn out for this protesting car caravan about canceling rent and in support of all of the types of organizing that CCE does, CCED does because they fucking rule and they are so good. Um, and shout out to Josie Huang, who has been just all over the map with fantastic reporting lately uh, between her and like the, all the L.A. taco folks. Uh, there's it's great to be seeing that there is like an actual voice showing up and representing the struggle of the people here against all of the various forces that are being uh, compiled against us in this time of absolute uh, clusterfuck of pandemic. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, shit's fucked up. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, uh, there's a piece of work. Oh, by the way, I was also going to mention uh, one of the, the claims of fame that she has on her like social media bios is that she's uh, a designer for those um, uh, sexy whatever, you know, sexy insert noun here costumes that they sell at like Party City and Walmart and uh, has a bunch of uh, images of those costumes up on her. So look, I'm a about I'm a age. prison abolitionist, <laughs> but Victoria here is making me begin to question that. Are there some people who deserve to belong in cages? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, she's a piece of work. Sexy gentrifying landlord. <laughs> Sexy monopoly man with a bag of yen. Oh God, uh, that would actually be. A really I may funny have. Costume. I may have just come up with my costume for the year. I was gonna say that sounds like an actually a kind of a fun little satire costume. Um, anyway, I'm getting loopy here. We've been, yeah, I'm, lots I'm there of things too. going on. So, yeah. So, uh, let's, so we still got ground game summer camp going on. Yes. Uh, yeah, you can head over. Hey, wait, what's the, 
you can head over to bit.ly backslash gg summer camp to yep. uh log in and register yep. and like see what uh see what we got to offer uh you can yeah. either have some caps in there or some not caps in there Doesn't either matter. way we made it easy for you uh we're gonna be going until next weekend where yep. we're going to have the closing ceremonies uh hosted by no olympics los angeles where they'll be talking about the links between the 1984 games and the 1992 uprising uh today we have a screening by no olympics of a movie about uh what happened in rio uh there's also going oh i'm sorry that's uh yeah that's today and then tomorrow there's also going to be a eviction um uh tenants rights mm-hmm. eviction uh session hosted by guy chesroni who was a tenants rights lawyer he's down from the oc uh i believe that one's at 2 30 yep. uh and then we've got a lot of other good stuff going on most of it starting after 4 p.m so if you are back on the clock don't worry we got you covered we're also recording most of these so we will be posting them on the knock youtube channel so you can check them out there uh if you aren't able to line to sign up uh or want to just go back and like do a refresher course and we would love to have you there i got to host uh one of these sessions last week on digital organizing a bunch of people want to dive in there do more advanced stuff so we're going to be planning those in the future uh for our first summer camp ever this has been a blast. It's been a lot yeah. of fun. And you've also got a, you got something coming up this I week. I do. So I have a session that I'm going to be teaching on Monday talking about like city hall meetings and what the fuck they are all about. Um, it's entirely possible that I'm going to have Rob Kwan on to uh, help fill that out a little bit more. And then we're actually planning because of like the success that we did this um, like ethics.lacity.org dive and just like we went through a ton of information in like an hour and a half but the reality is that there's still just a shitload more information to cover because oh my god there's so much fucking content so uh we are going to be doing a follow-up to that and then rob and i i think we're going to start doing like this like dynamic duo of city uh uh, you know, how, how all of these processes within the city work and just talking about how to give at some point, Rob wants to do a, how to give a better public comment piece, how to dig in and cite a bunch of specific facts that will get people very mad at you, but also make them pay attention to you. Um, mm-hmm. because as much as we love to say, like, I yield my time, fuck you, you got to catch their attention before that. And a yeah. really great way to do that is to call them out on some extremely unethical or illegal bullshit that they're doing, and we can help teach you how to find that well, stuff. And, and also to be able to speak in like short declarative yes. sentences that contain the facts and the statutes and the things that you want, and to make sure that you're using your council member language, because yep. people at that position of power and authority have a very specific language that they're mm-hmm. listening for and that they work in, and learning it's, how to speak that language, which is its whole its a whole own English dialect, really, really valuable. And uh, also really important when talking to like other people in authority. Like, if you're trying to fight with somebody in a bureaucratic setting in the city of LA, knowing how they get talked to by the people above them will help you get some authority and get them to pay attention to you. Bingo, 100%. Uh, maybe you should come and be a part of that uh, how to do a better public comment thing. Also, one of the key thing to remember is like set a fucking timer. Yeah. They give you 60 seconds and you got to be like, it's it's good to practice it and know when your fucking timer is going to go off because they will shut yep. you off as we have seen time and time and time again. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's going to be great. Uh, Hannah is uh, thanking you, Tim, for your, your session. Uh, as she says alone in the chat, uh, <laughs> don't worry, Hannah, we are reading the chat still. Just, it's just not up on the screen because of other things. Um, 
yeah, so I think that pretty much wraps us up here. So yeah. Oh, and then uh, oh. if if you do want, uh, we have our weekly ground game meetings yes. every Thursday at seven thirty. We do have kind of a new member orientation going on at yeah. seven, so you can learn about how the group operates, how we run our meetings, like what sort of things we're trying to focus on, and how we interact with each other. Which is weird because we've always been a very face to face group. So taking our onboarding process from something that was very informal and done in person when people showed up to meetings to turning it into something a little bit. Not necessarily like super more formal, but a, a more way to like bring in a new group of people in a digital way uh, has been a lot of learning for us and we're working on it, but we're really making an effort to make sure that this is accessible to everyone as we can make it. And I think even once the pandemic wraps up, this digital aspect of our meetings is going to continue because it allows us to reach more parts of the city. And we know that LA is such a gigantic, monstrous you know, entity the getting to everyone and talking to the people who need to be talked to can be really, really difficult if we're like 100%. localized in our physical bodies. But if we can like disincorporate and do it on Zoom, we can reach a lot more people. So we'll, be, we'll all become freaky digital ghosts. Yeah, something like that. Um, so, yes, please tune in. And uh, also, we're getting some really fun uh <laughs> Adam, Adam is putting some fun comments in here. And yes, also Adam did agree that your digital organizing piece was uh, amazing. So good job, Bushido. You've got lots of fans. Uh, but Adam did also think it was funny that you said when the pandemic wraps up, because. I mean, I mean I'm thinking I'm thinking long term here. I'm he, thinking he for a that. while. DGLA yeah. 2055. <laughs> oh, God, it's going to be so bad. Adam's kids are going to be voting before this shit wraps up. Oh, my God. As always, uh, if you all have any events that you want us to be taking part in publicizing or just being made aware of, please send us a message. You can reach us through the Ground Game LA Facebook page. You can reach us through the Ground Game LA Twitter page, Instagram, whatever. Find us, send us a DM. Uh, at Bushido Squirrel for you, at Christopher Roth for me. Uh, we're not hard to get a hold of. Uh, apparently, I now have some cops following me, which is super fun. Um, yeah, okay, Anna, Hannah and Adam, y'all are having too much fun in the comments, and I'm not going to be reading your stuff anymore. Uh, this podcast and every Ground Game podcast is a production of Knock.LA, so you can support our work over on Patreon at patreon.com slash knock underscore LA. And on that note, wanted to give folks a heads up that we are having lots of conversations now about what the various tiers of that Patreon are going to be, and we're trying to figure out some good merch to be able to get out to y'all to show our, your our thanks for your support because we literally would not be able to do this and pay the writers that we're, we're paying for these articles to be doing this work uh, without that support on Patreon. So thank you so, so much for that support. Um, and of course, you can check the description of this podcast for links to the sources, links to the actions coming up, and of course, all of our social media. So on that note, thank you all very much. Uh, fuck the police and uh, GGLA 2055 seems like a new rallying call to be using we out or are you typing yep. you're typing <laughs> i'm leaving it in all right thanks y'all thank you bye